I can't recall the last time an 8-0 team got so little respect. Yes, you can win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. That front gets pressure, collapses the pocket, and wrecks quarterbacks. is the Faithful Fanatic Podcast with Nick and Marco. Episode 10 of the Faithful Fanatic Podcast. A major disappointment today. The 49ers lost to the Miami Dolphins by a final score of 43 to 17. Let me say that one more time. 43 to 17. This was the first time all year that the 49ers offense had Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert, Jarek McKinnon, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle all on the field at once, and Kyle Shanahan's offense puts up 17 points. I'm going to go as far as to say that this was the most embarrassing performance of the Kyle Shanahan era. By far. By far. His team wasn't ready. His offense wasn't ready. Um, it's just embarrassing to get blown out at home. I mean, they keep talking about protect your own turf, protect your own turf. We're freaking 0-3 at home. That's embarrassing. Embarrassing. The reason why this loss stands out to me so much is because this was a make-or-break game regarding the 2020 season. If you lose this game, which happened, the 49ers lost this game looking ahead, they have such a tough stretch of football teams, of stretch of games against football teams that are all in playoff contention. That should all be playoff teams. The Miami Dolphins. No one disregarded the Miami Dolphins going into this matchup. They already played the Bills, the Patriots, the Seahawks. They lost them by 10 points or less. The Miami Dolphins have been a respectable football team this season, but there's absolutely no reason to lose to them by almost 30 points. Almost 30 points. There's expectations. There were expectations going into the season, Super Bowl or bust year. Injuries kind of took away from that. But even with the injuries that have taken place, this football team should be a lot more competitive than what they show today. And it's just an absolutely embarrassing performance from the offense and the defense. Kyle Shanahan, Robert Sala, they were awful, absolutely awful today. They were so awful. I mean, what sticks out to me the most is going with Brian Allen at corner. Uh, at some point, after the first throw of the game by Brian Fitzpatrick, you see, okay, they're gonna target, they're gonna target him. What do you do? You leave the game plan to be what it has always been when you have a pass rush. Robert Sala, you do not you no longer have Nick Bosa, the Ford, the Forrest Buckner in the pass rush you once had. Can you please wake up and do something different? Because at some point, you have to dial some stuff up and figure it out. But no, he allowed Brian Allen to get picked on way too often early in the game and what got the 49ers out of the game early. It was mind-boggling to me. Just watching the game through the, the telecast, watching it from TV, you can tell Brian Allen did not deserve to be on the football field. He is not an NFL cornerback. There's a reason why this guy's bounced around the league from practice squad to practice squad. 
that final touchdown he gave up before he finally got pulled to Preston Williams, what was it? It was third and goal from like almost the 20-yard line. It's inexcusable, absolutely inexcusable. What's even more inexcusable is that he was on the field for that to happen in the first place. Why was he not pulled earlier? Kyle Shanahan said Akello Witherspoon only dressed today so he would be available in emergency situations. His hamstring was acting up throughout the week, was too tight for him to be a full go. So he goes up to the defensive staff, him being Akello Witherspoon, goes up to the defensive staff after Brian Allen's getting torched and says, I'm good to go, put me in the game. If he was good to go from that moment on, I'm sure he was fine 15, 20 minutes prior. Akello Witherspoon needs to toughen up. The 49ers as a whole, not even just Akello Witherspoon, they're so soft. This is the softest football team I've seen a year removed from a Super Bowl. Where is the leadership? That's what's bothering me more than anything, the lack of leadership on this team. I thought in the offseason, you know, I was an advocate to bring in Antonio Brown. I said the 49ers have the strongest locker room in the NFL. I said that. And many people would have agreed with me this offseason. Through five weeks, that's not true. That's not true at all. Kyle Shanahan, I worry about his ability to be able to rally and bring people together when things are not going well. We have yet to see Kyle Shanahan in this position. This team was in the Super Bowl, February, eight months ago. Now things are not going good. The going's rough right now. How's Kyle Shanahan going to rally his troops? So far, after seeing his press conference today, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of urgency with him. Trent Williams, playing awful. He's the team captain. Mike McGlinchey has had an awful year. He's a team captain. Fred Warner, he looks good. Jimmy Garoppolo, his ability to leave others similar to Kyle Shanahan, he's not a true leader. He is not a true leader. He's a cool, common, collected quarterback, but he does not play with that fire enough. He can't rally people. I think Kyle Shanahan's finally done with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, look, look, when you go in, you, first of all, I love how you hit everything on the leadership standpoint because at some point, your leadership needs to step up and light a fire in everyone's ass. Yes. Because, look, Fred Warner, man, he went over and he was talking to Robert Sala on the sideline, a man-to-man, one-on-one. I don't know what the conversation was, but that's showing, hey, man, you better figure something out or you're gone. He's, I'm pretty sure he's telling Robert Sala something on, along those lines. But Jimmy Garoppolo, if you start – because you're capable of going. Kyle, listen to what Kyle Shanahan has said. Jimmy Garoppolo must show me three days of practice that he could protect himself. Then coming into the second half, he goes and says, I'm trying to protect Jimmy Garoppolo. What are you trying to protect when in the first place you let him start because he's able to protect himself? And then going into the second half, you pull him. No. Just be be honest and say, I'm done with Jimmy Garoppolo. I do not trust his decision-making and his poor reads, his poor throws. I do no longer, I no longer want Jimmy Garoppolo on my team. Put him up for trade. Do something about it. I think taking a step back and reassessing the situation, from a mathematical standpoint, the season's not over. There's still 11 games to be played. Jimmy Garoppolo has played much better than this. I don't think Kyle Shanahan's done with him in the sense that we're not going to see Jimmy Garoppolo take a snap ever again to 49ers uniform. I don't think it's there just yet, but I think looking for another quarterback, a potential replacement for Garoppolo this offseason becomes a valid conversation. 
it totally becomes valid. But as of right now, the 49ers still have a chance. They could sneak into the playoffs as the seven seed with maybe a 9-7 record. This does not look like a 9-7 football team right now, though, but it's mathematically possible. And for that reason, Jimmy Garoppolo has to be the starting quarterback. For the remainder of the games, unless he gets hurt or unless C.J. Beathard, he did not look any better today. Come on, who are you going to turn to? Nick Mullins, you have nobody else. He's still your best chance to win as ugly as it looked today. Jimmy Garoppolo still this team's best chance to win football games. I want to ask you something. Or go, let me, let me You're absolutely right. Go You're ahead. absolutely right about him being the quarterback moving forward for this season just because he gives you the best chance to win. But I don't think he's the quarterback moving forward after this season. Yeah, no, nope. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, this performance today, answered a lot of questions and said a lot about him as a quarterback. Great quarterbacks. They find a way to have gutsy, ballsy performances. And he does not, did not have it today. You can blame it on his ankle not being 100% healthy. Guess what? His ankle's not going to be 100% healthy for a long time. It's a lingering injury. It's a high ankle sprain. He's going to have to deal with that for a while. So it can't be an excuse for his play. I want to ask the question. Did Kyle Shanahan make the right decision playing Jimmy Garoppolo, starting Jimmy Garoppolo today? I can go first if you don't have an answer already because I'm ready to go answer this bad boy. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. I mean, he evaluated Jimmy Garoppolo throughout practice and said, okay, this quarterback's able to protect himself. This is a must-win game for me. I need to be at least over 500 going, uh, going into the divisional matchups coming up. But instead, he pulls Jimmy Garoppolo in. He doesn't see the confidence he wants from Jimmy Garoppolo. He doesn't have confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo in itself. And then he pulls him in the second half. There's a lot of questions I, I wanted to ask Kyle Shanahan after the game. And Kyle Shanahan needs to look at himself in the damn mirror and drop that damn ego he has from himself. Hire a damn offensive coordinator and figure something out. He cannot be this offensive coordinator and head coach at the same time. There's many coaches who have an offensive coordinator and they call the plays. Figure yeah. something out. You need someone to hold your offense accountable, and Kyle Shanahan cannot do that while also being the head coach. He has a lot on his plate. He has a lot on his plate. And just looking at him in his press conference, he looks like a man that's been worn down, like he's going through some stuff. He has a lot going on. Nothing's going his way, the team's way in general. Going back to the question that I posed, this was a game where you need to start Jimmy Garoppolo. He's supposed to be your franchise quarterback. He's making $127 million. When the season's on the line, if he has a lingering injury, doesn't matter if it's lingering. He's getting over it. You put the ball in his hands. This game was put in his hands. That first drive, questionable play calling. Two runs, and then they finally call a pass play, and he misses McKinnon. Three and out. Very similar to the Eagles game. Without the huge missed pass that Nick Mullins had to Kyle Juszczyk. But just look at the first Four, five plays of this game, including the punt. The first five plays, the 49ers go three and out, kick the ball, punt the ball to the Dolphins, and the very first play of the game, Ryan Fitzpatrick spots the 49ers, wink, link, like the longest yard. You know when they're looking for the onside kick in the longest yard, and he's looking for the guy who's he going to kick the ball at? Who's his? He's spotted Brian Allen, says, you, I'm going to target you all game long. First play, the very first play, Brian Allen gives up, bomb, 37 yards. And that, just like the Eagles game, was a snapshot of what was going to continue for the rest of the afternoon. It was maddening, absolutely maddening. The offense had two consecutive three and outs on their first two drives, just completely stagnant. Play callings in question. They get a fourth and one. The team hasn't converted a fourth down this year. I believe they're 0-5, 0-6, somewhere in that ballpark. 
You give it to Jarek McKinnon, the smallest running back in uniform, fourth and one out of the shotgun, a drop the middle. Are you kidding me? Get creative, Kyle Shanahan. That that's the thing with me. It's Kyle Shanahan. He's his genius and everything when it comes to play calling when he's ahead. But when he starts to get get behind, he makes decisions like that. He makes a decision going for it on fourth and one out of the gun. You don't do that out of the gun. I understand the play call. I understand you you give Jimmy Garoppolo the opportunity to run an RPO if he sees something there. He could check out of it if he sees something there. But what I like when what Kyle Shanahan does is when he gives Jimmy Garoppolo the option to run play action out of fourth and one. They run so many of those play action and leak George Kittle out of the uh, out of the the tight end route, which is a flat route. So that's the things I'm like, whoa, Kyle, what are you doing now? Like you have Raheem Mostert who's been running running the ball pretty damn well, and then you decide to go out of shotgun. I want to go ahead and talk about the offensive line, um, because their run game the run game looked a lot better. But it was because Raheem, Raheem Mostert was yeah, there. Exa- Raheem Mostert is the most important player on this offense. I'm sorry. George Kittle's a fan favorite. He plays extremely hard. I understand that. If we're talking about who is the most valuable offensive player outside of the quarterback position, honestly, even with Jimmy Garoppolo back, I'd still argue it's Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert cannot be replicated. You cannot replicate Raheem Mostert. His home run playability, his speed, you just can't replicate that. You can mask not having George Kittle. Hell, we've seen Kyle Shannon able to mask not having Jimmy Garoppolo. You cannot have the same ground game without Raheem Mostert. The offensive line's not doing any better. It's because Raheem Mostert's back, and he's able just to hit that hole so hard, constantly falling forward. He looks like a bruising back now. Where did that come from? He was just a guy that would get eight touches a game last year or something like that until it really amped up in the second half of the season because there was concerns that he wouldn't be able to take on a heavier workload. This guy's just constantly bullying over people, breaking tackles, the most valuable player, on the 49ers offense by far the first five weeks now through the season. He's incredible. And that's what that's why it makes me wonder what is Kyle Shanahan thinking? Yes, I understand he's his this is where his ego comes into play. So Kyle Shanahan elected to sign McKinnon. He finds his back in in Raheem Mostert. But instead of giving Raheem Mostert the ball on fourth and one on the outside, allowing his speed to get that one yard. Get the edge, absolutely. He goes McKinnon up the middle. Raheem Mostert was averaging eight yards a pop. Eight yards a pop. You can't get one yard Raheem Mostert? Come on now, Kyle. But the offensive line wasn't as bad as I thought it was because last week was atrocious, was terrible. And this week, there was a few blown assignments. There was a, a couple plays where the offensive line looked terrible. But I think... They did much better pass blocking, but now their communication was off. There, there yes, was times where yes and no. there was a few times where they allowed guys to come up the middle. That's a running back pickup. You always block inside out. So when you when I when I was playing when I there were times where my coach would allow me to play running back. I wasn't a running back, but he knew I would pick up inside out in pass protection. So what you do is there was a few times they're blitzing Baker. Up right up the middle as running back, you know you got to step in out. And there was a few times um, Trent Williams and Lincoln Tom- Tomlinson got into an argument. 
because they called for a certain alignment on the offensive line, and my guess it was to shift inside and allow the back to get outside. So that's the communication that I need that needs to be fixed. They played a lot better than than what the stats showed. Mm, I don't know. It, Garoppolo is getting hit all day long. McGlinchey is getting beat like a drum. You have Lincoln Tomlinson and Trent Williams. They're standing eight inches apart from each other, and their communication is just awful. It's like, what was the significant difference between last year's offensive line and this offensive line? Trent Williams was supposed to be an upgrade over Joe Staley. He looked like that might be the case the first week or two over the course of the season. He's played awful. And going back to the accountability, Trent Williams, just looking at the game, he had an awful game, an absolutely awful game against the Eagles last week. And then he has the audacity to stand in his press conference and say, I thought I had a good game. I only got dinged by the coaching staff for a half a sack. Come on, dude. Just with a naked eye, anybody watching would say, whoa, that guy number 71 is struggling to block his man. And it's just the lack of accountability across the board. It's a leadership issue. This team's missing not having Richard Sherman because I think Richard Sherman's the one guy on this team, and I thought Trent Williams had it in him. Trent, uh, Fred Warner's not old enough yet. It's only his third season. You'd like to see it from George Kittle. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have it. Just that Tom Brady demanding excellence from your team. It doesn't matter if you're in your third year. If you're wearing a captain patch, you better hold it down accountability. Yeah, well, and, and that's a good point. But, you know, this is – I want to bring this up because Quan Alexander, he's more experienced than Fred Warner. He has more league experience than Fred Warner. You're down by 14 points. Ryan Fitzpatrick just – you sacked Ryan Fitzpatrick because your coverage did a fantastic job, but your team's down 14 points and you're out here posing. Oh, I just got a sack. It's just that kind of mentality all about the cameras, not worried about the scoreboard, drives me insane. Drives me insane. The Dolphins, um, it was the other corner, not Allen. Webster? Right. Webster. Webster. No, Webster. Oh, yeah, Webster. So, so Wisnowski makes the punt. The Dolphins, the, the punt returner muffs it. Excellent opportunity for the 49ers to get right back in the game. The guy falls on the ball at the three or four yard line. Webster then, the guy's already on the ground. He leaps on him, and then he starts taunting on his way back to the sidelines. Like, bro, you didn't even make a special teams tackle. You did not even make a tackle on special teams. You fell on someone. Get your ass back on the sidelines and try to turn this thing around. Just the showboating that's going on when you're down 14 points is an embarrassing look, an absolutely embarrassing look. This is not the 2019 49ers that played with swagger and cockiness and edginess and a very professional channeled energy way this is a team that's just like completely falling apart in front of our eyes and there's just no captain right now that's able to right the ship and get in guys faces and be like no this is not okay this is not our standard we're not going to start taunting when we're down 14 points look at Kendrick Bourne undrafted free agent the most upbeat guy on the team he loves to have fun loves to dance loves doing all that stuff Scores a touchdown. He knows he had a couple drops. He knows the team is losing. I bet you he wanted to dance in the end zone once he scored. He thought in his head, you know what? We're down. Double digits. I'm not having a good game. I dropped multiple passes. I'm going to take my ass back to the sideline so my defense can take the field and try to get back in this game. And then what happens after Kendrick Bourne's touchdown? The 49ers get the Dolphins into what? A third and 16. And then they pick up 15 yards on a play that was past three or four yards beyond the line of scrimmage because Jason Verrett comes in like a speeding bullet from the outside by the boundary, trying to make a tackle, completely gives up the outside. And then that third and 16 turns into a fourth and one. The Dolphins, 
they're running on the sideline onto the field like this. I called it right away. This is going to be a fake punt. And sure enough, fake punt. They pick up the yard. Bye-bye. That's the ball game right there. There was no chance to steal momentum from that point on. So I have a little different view on the celebration from Quan and Ken Webster. So normally you have a fan base who on that muffed punt or on those sacks, they, that crowd usually gets loud because they're trying to get the team back into the game. So since there's no crowd, the players have to kind of bring an energy on their own. And when you're down 14, you have to try to spark your own team in a certain way. And if you, it, this, I don't like the celebration when you're down 14 mm-hmm. 0, but you have to do something to try to get your guys going because mm-hmm. they were flat. They're completely flat. So Quan, everyone knows Quan's an energy type of guy. So when you come in, you start flexing. He's hoping he's going to get his team rallied. Okay. Let me build off that. Uh, this is my counter argument here. What is inspiring and motivating about Quan Alexander putting his arms crossed and puffing out his chest? That's not motivating anybody. That's not bringing energy. That's showboating. That's showing off. That's showing up the other team when you're down 14 points. If you want to motivate someone, start clapping your hands. Go run to your teammates. Make it about the team. Don't make it about yourself and your one sack that you got on a coverage play. That's what it is to me. Quan Alexander's making it about himself posing for the cameras if you want to motivate and bring energy do it as a team do it as a community try to get something going together go up to fred warner give him a high five dap him up say let's go fred i made my play now it's your turn let's go we got this don't make it about you and too many 49er players are doing that and it's sickening to watch because it's happened in other weeks when the 49ers are trailing when you're down you don't taunt you don't do anything like that you get ready for the next snap rally up your teammates and try to make that next play an even better play on the next snap. But I'm just sick of seeing it. It's like, come on, Quan. For me, uh, I agree with what you're saying. Go dab your guys up. That's how I used to get my guys into games. But not everyone likes that kind of motivation. Sometimes it, it, every team, every player is different. So for me, I knew I had a couple of guys where I could not dab them up if they didn't, if they didn't make a play it would piss them off. But now if I got in their face or if I got in their ear and told them something, it was completely different. So different styles of, of players, different styles of how you motivate people. And Quan has never been really a guy to go dab everyone up unless they make a legit interception or legit sack. Okay. Quan Alexander's Mr. Energy. He had the whole high video come back when he came back early from his broke broken collar or what was it he had a torn peck when he had his torn peck he is mr energy i know he has good intentions i know he cares about playing football i know he cares about this team but there's no one gets motivated you cannot convince me that you're motivating your teammates by standing with your arms folded and puffing out your chest that's not a motivating gesture it's a look at me gesture. What I find motivating is bringing people together. And there's nothing that says you're trying to bring people together by sticking out your chest and folding your arms. They, they, they want, they, you know, that picture they've taken in, in the end zones before. Yeah. You mean like the one the, after with the team, the, like when they the intercept yeah, in, of course, that, I think that's, that's the, the thing that they love to do. And I think that's kind of what Quan's trying to get them to, to do. So, he said, so that, that's yeah. the way they, you know what I mean? So, Normally, they, they, he, they mm-hmm. tell everyone, hey, come run and take a picture. So I think he's trying to get them, hey, we're about to start taking pictures. So I think it's just weird a way of, of, mm-hmm. of how I've seen it. Nope. If, if him trying to motivate them, 
I, that's not how I personally would have motivated them. I would have, I would, I would, I would have ripped my team a fire on the sideline, in a huddle, and I would have been like, "Hey, this is not 49er football. Yeah. This is not how we play." But I don't know how how he they try to motivate in those kind of situations. Everyone's different. Yeah. Well, whatever Quan Alexander was doing did wasn't working clearly, and I get with the interceptions are trying to celebrate as a team and that's cool and all you're celebrating as a team. You guys collectively did something an individual made a play forced a fumble, got an interception. You guys are all celebrating because the defense did something, but just posing by yourself. It's not a team effort. You're not bringing along your teammates. There's ways to get your teammates involved when someone makes a play. That's not a turnover. And I just don't think sticking out your chest and folding your arms is that. All right, let's move on. Robert Sala, where do we stand with him right now? If I'm Kyle Shanahan, man, and and it's kind of hard to say right away, but he's gone. Gone. I, I would hire someone inside and, and try to bring in uh, Quinn as, an, as a consultant, defensive consultant, because Robert Sala... When he when a, a team figures out his weakness, and everyone knows what his weakness is right now, he has no pass press. He has no outside boundary corners. So what am I going to do? I'm going to attack his boundary corners, and he doesn't care. I'm going to stay in my cover three. It's, I'm, it's how I live. It's how I play. I'm going to die how I on my cover three. Why not change it up a little bit, man? Yeah. What are you? What? How does it hurt you to change up your system a little bit to the players you have? That is a true coach who changes up his system based on the players he has. You, Robert Sala, you're coaching like you still have Nick Bosa and D Ford getting after the quarterback. You don't figure something out. Yep. I would have fired him during the game. <laughs> so it's a tough position. I, it's starting to look more and more apparent that the reason why the 49ers defense was so successful last year was because of the additions of Nick Bosa and D Ford. It wasn't because Robert Sala suddenly became this superstar defensive coordinator, you know? And he's another one. Where's his energy been at? He was so fired up on the sidelines last year, and it just seems so many players and coaches have gone into his shell. It's like they're shell-shocked right now. They had everything break their way last year. Everything was going in the right direction. They got off to a scorching hot start, finished 13-3, and took care of business against the Vikings, took care of business against the Packers. Those playoff games against the NFC teams were not even close. They looked dominant, you know. Then they lose the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan prematurely gets his contract extension. John Lynch gets his contract extension. John Lynch deserves a lot of credit for turning this franchise around. He's made a lot of not necessarily flashy free agent signings, but players like Quan Al- um, excuse me, Kwan Williams, that have contributed towards this team's success. And they do a terrific job finding undrafted free agents. But not nailing picks in the first two rounds of the draft pretty much over the course of the last three years is costing this team. 2017, Solomon Thomas, Reuben Foster. 2018, Mike McGlinchey, Dante Pettis. 2019, you had Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel. That was a great draft class. Unfortunately, Nick Bosa's hurt right now. But just even looking at guys like Tarvarius Moore and Joe Williams, who's not even never even played a snap for the 49ers, like a lot went wrong where the 49ers 
are lucky to have the depth that they have because they've been able to mask the horrific drafting by John Lynch. He gave Weston Richburg a huge contract, and I'm sure Kyle Shanahan, of course Kyle Shanahan has a huge hand in all this. Jarek McKinnon became one of the richest running backs ever. And then finally, he's starting to show that he may have been worked out if he was able to stay healthy this season. It's just, it's crazy how through the first five weeks of the NFL season, it went from this feeling that the 49ers are in tremendous hands with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to now having concerns about what the future holds. There are a lot of concerns with the premium positions. Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback, what's going to be the plan there moving forward? Trent Williams, left tackle, that's a premium position in the NFL. What's going to be the plan with Trent Williams? Do you extend him? He does not look like a left tackle that's worth $15, $16 million. So you have to figure out left tackle. Cornerback, another premium position in the NFL. Richard Sherman is, what, 32, 33? He's entering a contract. He's in his contract year. Emmanuel Mosley has a serious concussion. He's been sidelined a long time for this concussion. It's getting worrisome. You invested in Akello Witherspoon and Tarvarius Moore. Tarvarius Moore is six foot two, six foot three, runs a four three forty, is long. Why you tried him out at corner in 2018? He was not as bad as Brian Allen or even Akello Witherspoon. I don't understand what this team is doing with their young cornerbacks. But anyway, then you look at edge rusher D Ford. I think his days with the Niners are done. He'll be gone next year. And you have Nick Boza. So you're looking at, you need to potentially figure out what you're doing at quarterback. You have to add a left tackle if Trent Williams continues to play as awful as he's played this year. Richard Sherman, you got to find something out at cornerback. And then hopefully Nick Bosa fully recovers from his knee injury, which I'm sure he will. He's dealt with ACL issues before. But the future is not looking as bright and as promising as it did before the season started against the Cardinals. So you touched on John Lynch, and I want to talk about that for a little bit because John Lynch allows his coaches to evaluate players and tell him how he would use them. So he's allowing these players to help make these choices. So he has Kyle Shanahan do the offensive side with their coaches, and they do all their things. So he's more of a coach's general manager. He's not necessarily the scouting manager that Adam Peters is and all the others. So there's been a lot of talk about 40 ownership to promote John Lynch and make Adam Peters the general manager, which I think they should do. Adam Peters is the better scout. Um, but going into the, the team and talking about Trent Williams, I, I would not re-sign him. Um, what's the point of re-signing someone who's already aging for $16, 17000000 million a year, maybe even wants more? Yep. Um, so I would allow Justin school at some point you need to throw him in there and see if he could play guard tackle, see something, what you could do, um, because you need to, you need to know what you have going into the draft. And if they're not a playoff team, that's a good point. I think, I think they should figure something out, whether it's like I've, you mentioned before, if they're two games below 500, make something happen, make some trades, pick up the phone yep. because yep, so at I some point you have to look at the future. I totally agree with that. And I think just like what you're saying right now, we talked about this last pod. If the team is under two games, two games under 500 around the trade deadline, you have to look into moving some of these veterans that are hitting free agency next year. Looking at Richard Sherman, Tevin Coleman, Trent Williams, because Trent Williams plays such an important position, you have to 
take the next three, four games to see if he elevates his play and can be that cornerstone left tackle for the next two or three years because it is tough. Left tackles don't grow on trees. The 49ers haven't had to worry about a left tackle since before they drafted Joe Staley. And what was that, the 2007 draft, I want to say? Yes. So it's been a long time since they've had to worry about the left tackle position. If Trent Williams elevates his play, looks good against the Rams, looks good against the Patriots, looks good against the Seahawks, the Rams and Patriots have tremendous defenses with a lot of talent on their defensive lines. So if he can start to turn the corner, you have to consider keeping him and extending him because he plays such an important position. But if not, you then look to trade him because I'm sure a team like the Seahawks or the Seahawks have Dwayne Brown, but there's other contenders out there that have struggling offensive lines that would love to get their hands on a veteran like Trent Williams or even Richard Sherman to tighten up their secondary and would probably give you a reasonable second, third, fourth round pick. I agree. But for me, even if Trent Williams plays well, I'm not resigning him. He's going to be 33 at the start of next season. He's already aging. So why am I going to put money and invest money into someone who's aging? I'd rather go out and draft um, an offensive tackle and allow Justin School to step mm -hmm. in. So because I think I think the big question is just seeing what Justin School has because it's it's not easy getting a left tackle, a cornerstone left tackle. And if you look at guys like Andrew Whitworth on the Rams, the guy's almost as old as Drew Brees and Tom Brady. The guy's in his late 30s, like approaching 40. He's still playing at a very high caliber level being a left tackle. And Trent Williams being 33, he's got to have two or three more years left in him. But at what cost? And I agree with you. You got to see what you have in Justin School before drafting that left tackle. Because if Justin School's great, then you don't need to draft that. But you won't know unless he gets the opportunity to play. And looking at cornerback, potentially quarterback, there's so many holes on this team where if you have the left tackle and you can pay him for two or three years and invest in a cornerback or a quarterback, most importantly, because I can't even name a left tackle, a really good left tackle that's gone in the second round of a draft or beyond. Off the top yeah, of my head. I, I agree. There's not many. They usually go top five. If they're a great left tackle, they go top five. But I've seen enough from Justin School last year to know that if he was to add strength, he would step up and he would be a really good tackle. Yeah. Um, I, I spoke with uh, Justin School's trainer and he's added some strength and I know he's going to be a good left tackle. You don't need an elite left tackle to be successful in the NFL. I agree with that. You don't need to absolutely have a elite left tackle, but I'm going to bring up something that's more relevant now than ever. It's applicable to Justin School. It's applicable to Nick Mullins. It's applicable to Jimmy Garoppolo. The sample size is too small. Just because Justin School excelled at a right as being a right tackle last year in that small glimpse you saw him does I not left. necessarily left tackle. Yeah, you're right. Left tackle with Dan Brunskill on the right side. Just because he had and Dan Brunskill looked like a great right tackle and he's struggling at guard. You know, and sample size is something that is just so important. And it's so evident now with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's like saying if you were to see Jimmy Garoppolo close out the final five games of the 2017 season, you thought we'd have the next Joe Montana. He took a one and 11 football team and ended the season, or he took a one and 10 football team and finished the season six and 10. So the sample size is too small for me personally to say Justin School has it. He's going to be a good left tackle in this football league. It's just too small. 
But I see what you're saying. There's hope. There's potential there. I think that's more of the key word. Based on what we saw last year, there's potential and hope that Justin School can be an NFL caliber starting left tackle. I just haven't seen enough of him to be like, okay, we're going to move on from Trent Williams, try to acquire a pick, and then go with School moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially if they're they're in the hunt for the playoffs, you most likely keep Trent Williams. But the thing is with, with the 49ers is moving forward, quarterback is the main position moving forward. And I think Kyle Shanahan must evaluate every quarterback in this draft. I don't care if he yes. doesn't. If Trevor Lawrence, he must look at. Justin Fields, he must look at. Trey Lance, you must look at. And if you feel... Trevor Lawrence is your guy, and you're picking. There's a good chance for another to pick in the 18, 19 range. No, top 10. The, the, this team does not look good right now. That so look at if there's seven teams in each conference that makes the playoffs, that's 14 teams that are automatically going to have a better draft slot than you. So if you take 32 minus 14, what's the 18? So you're picking below 18s or you're 17 or less is where you're picking. So I'm with you that. Let's say if a team like the Giants that has Daniel Jones, first of all, any team to pass on Trevor Lawrence would be some Bill O'Brien managed football team. So I don't see how you could even come up with an offer good enough to have a team that has that first overall pick give you the rights basically to draft Trevor Lawrence. But just like the Chiefs did for Patrick Mahomes, if you know that's your guy, why not? send three first round picks, something crazy like that to move up first overall. The Chiefs don't regret it. If Trevor Lawrence is the next Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, more mobile than both of them by a long shot, then it's something you have to consider. I mean, look at teams like the Rams and the Seahawks that haven't had first round picks in who knows how long. They've had Russell Wilson. If you have a quarterback like that, this is, Russell Wilson's a living example of this. If you have a cornerstone franchise quarterback that's mobile you can get away with not having draft picks for years with the seahawks that either won't have their first round pick or they draft in the first round and completely miss jordan brooks lj collier the list goes rashad penny the list goes on and on and on of seahawks bus in the first round that have been masked by russell wilson so if you have a quarterback in a draft that can completely keep you competitive year in and year out, like Russell Wilson does with the Seahawks, I would trade everything I have to try to make a run at him. And that's the thing. When you have a Russell Wilson-type quarterback, the offense line doesn't matter as much. Every year, every year, the, um, the national media is saying Russell Wilson's offensive line is going to keep them from being a Super Bowl contender. No, Russell Wilson is so elite. He extends plays with his legs. He's always yep. looking downfield. So that's why I'm like, well, if you're picking at 18 or 17 in that range, I'm willing to I'm willing to mortgage our future and jump up to take my guy, whether that's Tra Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. So another thing that's encouraging about making a move like that or a reason why I'd be willing to take that risk is that there's already a lot of pieces in play. You have young talent on both sides of the ball where surrendering a lot of draft picks premium draft picks to get your guy that you're going to have lead this team for the next 10 years is worth it. I mean, Brandon Ayuk, Devo Samuel, George Kittle, George Kittle just turned 27, you know, but I mean, that's still relatively young. And then you have Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is the second youngest player on the team behind only Brandon Ayuk. And 
he was a rookie of the year and he's as young he's younger than Javon Kinlaw. So there is just so much youth on this team where you don't have to worry too much about the draft. Of course, you want to nail your draft picks, but mortgaging the future or jeopardizing the future, surrendering picks to get a quarterback that's yours that you want to develop to hand pick quarterback, it's worth it. Yeah, and I'm gonna ask you a question. What's your stance on Jimmy Garoppolo? Are you done with him after this year? Or do you say, no, no, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is the future of the 49ers? I don't get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo unless I'm 100% certain that there's a replacement that you can get your hands on that is better than him. And what I mean by that is you don't move him unless someone becomes available. If Dak Prescott's on the open market, he had a horrific injury earlier today. Prayers up to Dak Prescott, wishing him a speedy recovery. You never want to see a gruesome injury like that, regardless of the team or player. It's terrible. And if he's able to fully recover from that, I thought going into the year, Garoppolo, this is actually a question that Grant Cohn asked me on the All 49ers Sports Illustrated show, Dak Prescott or Jimmy Garoppolo. And I said that it's a toss-up between the two, that if you put Jimmy Garoppolo in the Cowboys offense and that was just so pass-happy, I think he would be able to put up similar numbers to Dak. But, you know, after seeing Garoppolo these first five weeks of the season or the, the three games that he's played, he looked horrific. Each game that Garoppolo's finished, he's been horrific. The Cardinals, he was bad, and now he just finished his second full game of the year and was bad. So it's like, what Jimmy Garoppolo are you going to get? And where I stand with him is I'm willing to see how he leads this team through the gauntlet they have coming up, how he battles against Jared Goff, how he plays against the Patriots defense, how he plays with Russell Wilson. Because, I mean, he lived up to all of this last year, and you can't disregard that. Is it just a bad start to the year for him? But to answer your question, I'm not done with him, but I can certainly be done with him and have no problem with it if a better quarterback becomes available. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I feel he could prove himself. This is going to be a, a prove-it year for him the remainder of the year. He could prove himself as, as the future going forward. But, man, I, I hate going in every game thinking – a quarter's in, he hasn't thrown an interception. I'm like, well, interception's coming sometime today. I, for me, I just hate thinking that. And then it's always, am I, are we going to get good Jimmy or bad Jimmy? I want an elite quarterback. I, I want, like, why can't the 49ers just have a damn Russell Wilson like they used to have back in the day with Joe Montana and Steve Young? I have, in, during my lifetime, I had not had a quarterback who was an elite quarterback for the 49ers. And I want yep. one. So that's why I'm, I'm constantly saying, I'm willing to trade up into the draft and get my guy. There's a few in this yep. draft that I feel that could be Kyle Shanahan's guys. I pray that one of them is, and we get an elite quarterback because at some point you could always say you have a genius quarter, a coach. But now if you have a, a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo who constantly doesn't make the right reads, constantly is making bad decisions, floating it 20 feet in the air to Jarek McKinnon, um, overthrowing Debo Samuel. It, so those those things play factor in when, when I'm like, well, Debo Samuel is wide open. Yep. That's not on Kyle Shanahan. That's on his quarterback. There was no one to throw it to. Throw it out of bounds. Live to see another day. So those are the things where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fed up with him a little bit. And I'm on the last stream. Yeah, I'm on the last draw too. And I'm right there with you. I mean, we're not too far apart in age in the 
I remember I was four years old, three, four years old when Steve Young last played quarterback for the 49ers, you know, when he made the catch two with Terrell Owens against the Packers. I don't really recall that though. I didn't watch Steve Young. Like I've watched Alex Smith and JT O'Sullivan and Ken Dorsey and a little bit of Jeff Garcia and Cody Pickett, Tim Rattay. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is honestly probably the best quarterback of my life that since I've been born and have been able to recall sporting events, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the best quarterback that the 49ers have had. Jeff Garcia, man. Okay. Jeff Garcia. I mean, still, that's like when I was eight years old, nine years old, you know, Colin Kaepernick, he probably had the best single season from a quarterback that I saw. He set the NFL on fire, but through the 25 years of my life, the last 20 that I vividly recall, Jimmy Garoppolo has been the best quarterback that this football team has had. And I'm right there with you. I would love to see an elite quarterback to bring back the days of Steve Young and Joe Montana, days that we weren't around for. So let's make a decision. Let's just go ahead and trade Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason and go get our quarterback. Yes, but but to pump the brakes there, I'm going to see what Garoppolo does the remaining 11 games throughout the year. He has a very important stretch coming up. Seven games against the Rams, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints, then a bye week, then the Rams again, and then the Bills. That's a huge stretch. And if he can prove himself, if he can get the 49ers into the playoffs, because he'll be the reason why the 49ers make the playoffs. If they do, it will be because of Jimmy Garoppolo. It will be because of Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm going to wait and see. What happens over the course of the remainder of the year before I'm like, all right, well, even if he does get us into the playoffs or gets the Niners into the playoffs, I'm still looking to upgrade at the position this offseason, but I won't be so sold on it if he's able to get this team into the postseason. But as of right now with a two and three record, that's not looking very promising. For me, I, I'm I'm done with him. Many uh, people are. And and I I wish him luck the rest of the season because I'm a Niners fan. I die out all day. So I wish him luck going into the season. I hope we make the playoffs. I hope he – shit, I hope he turns the season around and we win a Super Bowl with them. But at this point, he's not a top-10 quarterback. I don't think he'll ever be a top-10 quarterback. So I'm not going to pay him no $27 million a year. So I'm saying peace out. I'm going to look forward. I'd rather pay someone $40 million a year if they're an elite quarterback. I – had this thought maybe an hour ago, right before we started the podcast. I feel Jimmy Garoppolo has peaked. We've seen the best of Jimmy Garoppolo. What we saw from him in 2019 when he battled with Drew Brees looked great against Russell Wilson in that week 17 matchup against Seattle. That was the best of Jimmy Garoppolo that we'll ever see. His ceiling is no higher than that. That's him at his best. And I feel like this team has peaked with him under center. They're not going to win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel that became extremely evident today. The season was on the line. The ball was in his hands. And he had a lingering injury. That injury is going to continue to linger for weeks. And he just completely laid an egg and was horrific. Horrible passes. Horrible decision making. Jimmy Garoppolo... His status with the team beyond the season is completely in question. Hey, at least he has two things going for him. He has a lot of money. He's a good-looking man, so 
besides that, yep. he's done with the 49ers. He's, he's set. He's set in many ways. All right. That concludes the 10th episode of the Faithful Fanatic Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.